trying different things with the order that you answer questions in could be a solution around an issue that you have or could just help you confront an issue that you have yeah. at least it gives you an opportunity to try something troubleshoot things and that's really what this episode and what the season is about hello seven sage welcome to the seven sage lsat podcast my name is henry ewing and i'm joined with my co-host Austin Sinha. We've got a fun episode planned for you guys today. It's a question that I actually get asked a lot by students, clients, you know, class, people in class. What order should I answer the questions in? Now, mm. I think a lot of times when people start the test, it seems pretty intuitive. You know, 1 through 25, 1 through 26, just start at the beginning and then work your way through till the end. Yeah. But I've got a lot of thoughts on different ways to approach the order of the questions and how you can best optimize it for your own studying. Before we get into that, that henry i wanted to ask you do you do all the questions in order for every section or do you tend to bounce around a little bit oh i do them straight every single time really and that's the only way to do it which Bill. is to do one through 24 um the podcast is three minutes long we all agree and uh yeah <laughs> good talk in any everybody. Case, i'll see you guys next week <laughs> um no uh i think that there are some students maybe that's you henry who do really well um just one through 25 going straight through I was hmm. not one of those students. For me, that never worked for me. I bounced around a lot. I think I've talked on this podcast before about how much I bounce around on LR. Uh, by the yeah. time I get to the end of an LR section, I'm about skipped about half of the questions. Uh, half of them are yeah. straight up not answered by the time I get to the end. Um, mm -hmm. But for LG and RC, I have a different approach for how I answer the questions and which ones I tend to do first. So I want to start off with RC because that's the section that I love talking about the most. We can talk about forever. Uh, when it comes to RC, there are two types of questions. There are questions that are specific, point you to a specific part of the passage, tell you to refer to a specific part of the passage. And then there are questions that are much more big picture, right? What's the main idea of the passage as a whole? Uh, what is the author's purpose in writing this? You know, big yeah. picture questions like that. There are two schools of thought. The one that I adhere to and worked best for me was going through questions that were more detail oriented and more specific first. So I'd read the mm. passage and I'd go through the questions and I would look for a question stem that was like, what is the meaning of the word X in line 32? Or what's the function of the second paragraph? Or something mm. that's referring to something very specific in the passage. Go back, look at that part of that passage, answer the question. And then by the time I go back to the big picture questions, right, that are asking me to infer or just do something a little bit more broad about the passage, I've already gone back to the passage a handful of times, right? Like I've, I've referred back to the passage. I've looked at it. I've gotten more yeah. familiar with it than my first read through. And it's a lot easier for me to answer those big picture questions after I've done the small picture questions hmm. to that point. Uh, the reason I, I bring this up is because this morning I got an email from a client who was asking me, you know, I'm really struggling with detail oriented questions in the passage, the really small picture stuff. I just can't seem to get them right. What can I do? And so I was thinking about it and what I offered her Try the solution harder. No, well, kind of, I suppose, but more nicely, uh, what I said was do the opposite, right? Instead of doing the small picture questions first and then going to the big picture questions, do the opposite, right? Do these mm. big, broad passage whole questions first. And then after you've done that, go back to the more detailed ones, because at that point, you probably have a better understanding of the larger purpose of the passage, and it'll be easier for you to parse through some of those smaller details. So those are kind of two different routes that you can go as far as RC goes, how do you kind of feel about that, Henry? Um, well, I, I think, I think it's what works best for you, right? Obviously if you're, if you're running into issues, you don't want to just keep batting your head against the wall and doing the same thing. So mm -hmm. you, I think it's good to try different methods. Personally though, I'm, I'm a big fan of just doing the question straight. Uh, just how I, I did them. 
Yeah. Now, you know, maybe that doesn't end up working for you. And really for me, I, I try to go back to the passage not frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by not frequently, basically every time I can avoid it. When I get one of those, you know, what does this word mean in line 20 questions, of course I'm going to reread that sentence uh, mm-hmm. just to, to refresh my memory. Um, but ideally, I don't need to go back to that one line to, to really figure out what the main point. Generally speaking, I, I aim to, to have a, a pretty good understanding of the passage uh, enough to answer these questions before I even get to the questions. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I, like, you know, I really don't have, I mean, what am I, what am I going to do? Just say Asa's wrong. Um, I won't say it. I might imply it, <laughs> but I'm definitely not saying that. I don't think that's what you're implying. I think what you're implying is that I'm perfect and never get anything wrong. And also that there's a lot of value in investing time up front in the passage to make sure you have a really good understanding of it before you jump into the questions. So that yeah. regardless of what order you answer these questions in, if you've spent enough time with the passage, you really understand it, you've gone through it, you get the structure, you get the summaries, you get the speakers, you do all that, you're going to be in a really good place when you get to yeah. the questions. But this is something that, yeah. you know, if you're struggling with big picture questions, inference questions, save them for the end. Right. After you've done all the other questions within that passage, if you're really struggling with these detail oriented questions, save those for the end. In general, Mm -hmm. you want to give yourself as much of an understanding of the passage as possible before you start tackling questions that are tricky for you. Yeah. Um, It kind of reminds me of your LG methodology where you do the the local questions first. Yeah. You and then you go back to the, you know, which of the ones could be true. Uh, so you can look back at other game boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are more detail-oriented questions, um, local questions. I guess we should explain what a local question is. Yeah, I was actually going to jump into to LG next, but I did want to say one more thing about RC before I move on to that very topic with LG. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, with RC, I sometimes have students ask me what order they should do the passages in, generally, right? The four oh, yeah. passages that you're going to get. Now, the four types of passages that you're going to see on any RC section are going to be an arts passage, a humanities passage, a law passage, and a science passage. I don't think there's really been any variation in those topics, maybe a couple tests here and there, but generally you're going to have one of those four in each section. I mean, are, are those not like all encompassing subjects? <laughs> like, is there something besides that? Maybe, uh, <laughs> God, I'm like totally math. No, there have been passages about I, math. I mean, that would be science, right? Yeah, that would come into science. Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that is pretty all-encompassing. Besides the yeah. point, uh, there are some students who struggle with one of those types of passages more than others. Typically, what I see is science passages, right? I get yeah. it. We're a bunch of law nerds studying for the LSAT. What do I know about mm-hmm. science? Nothing. Uh, and so a lot of times I'll tell students, if you're really struggling with a science passage and you get thrown off by it when you get to the passage and then it's hard for you to move on from it, do it last, right? There's no harm in saving it for the end. And I I think the general message of this episode is just figuring out an order of these questions that work for you, even if it's not the order that the test writers have set it out in, right? There's no requirement that you do this test in order. And a lot of times people will tell me, well, oh, isn't that wasting time? Like clicking through from question to question to find the one you want to do. Five seconds. Yeah. Maybe seven, right? Like it's really not going to be a huge time sink. And it's, if it's going to help your accuracy and help you move through the section more efficiently, that is time well spent. Absolutely, it's yeah. time well spent. Uh, so yeah, within the passages, you can think about doing the big picture questions before or after the smaller picture questions, the more detail-oriented questions. And within the section as a whole, if there's a specific type of passage that you really dread, that you really just get thrown off afterwards, puts you in a bad mood, save it for the end, right? Do all the yeah. ones that are fun yeah. and that you yeah, enjoy no, a little bit a more first. 
Uh, but yeah. yeah, let's. I think that's a great segue into LG because my philosophy on LG is is pretty similar. Can you tell us a bit what, about the difference between local questions and the alternative global questions? Yeah, right. So any LG section, you're going to get a, a set of rules, and you're going to set up those rules to create a master game board. Now, not every single game has a master game board. Uh, a lot of them do, though. Right. So a lot of them have some type of master game board that you can make inferences on up front. Um, but I think even if you don't fully understand the inferences or you're having some trouble making some inferences one of the methods that i believe you're used to is that you you go to the questions and you look for local questions right local questions are are questions that says like hey look if i put this game piece in this particular place what must be true And, and that can kind of help you start to piece together some of these rules up front right Pretty much all of the the local questions are going to start with the word if. A lot of people, yeah. I, I myself in my classes, would call them if questions. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just want to clear that up before you keep going. Yeah, there's going to be some sort of if where they, they describe a, a situation that uh, they want you to do. It's not part of the rules, but it is something uh, in this particular question you could consider it a rule, right? Okay, uh, you know, game piece X is going into the second slot or, mm-hmm. or group A. Uh, and then after that, you can make a bunch of inferences and y- you get to the right answer. And I believe what you do then is like you use those game boards that you create uh, as a reference point for questions that are not local, right? Something that just says, yeah. which of the following must be true in general without any sort of if statement or where they tell you uh, where a game piece is going to go. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, for me at least, that worked really well. For logic hmm. games, I know what a lot of times are on the explanation videos on Seven Sager at least, or the methodology that a lot of people implement is spending a ton of time up front on the game board, building out inferences, building out what Seven Sage at least calls different worlds with the logic games. And that works really well for some people. I know for me that never worked. And so I would build out my game board to the best of my ability. I'd really sit with the rules and try to understand them. And then I would jump straight into if questions. And I really enjoy doing it that way because the if questions give you something to start off with. Right. If yeah. you haven't spent a bunch of time up front building out your master game board and making a ton of inferences, if you get to a question that's which of the following must be true, I don't know. Like so many things must be true. I, I have I just got here. Like I don't know anything. Right. And so for me, doing the if questions first gave me a starting off point. I could build out an example game board with the criteria that the question stem has set forth. Mm-hmm. And then now I've got an example of a filled out game board. And then uh, when yeah. I go back to that must be true question after having done two or three of these if questions, well, I know that if something in my game board from question number two isn't true, that's not going to be the right answer for my must be true question. And a lot of times I'm able to eliminate two, three, maybe even four answer choices off of a must be true question just looking back at my old game boards. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. One thing you want to be doing on this test is, is like constantly moving, mm-hmm. ideally. right? You want to be making some sort of progress at some point. Now, that doesn't mean you're literally you know, circling in an answer every single second, but it does mean that you have an idea of what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right, if you come across that must be true question and you're just at a loss, right? Everything looks okay. You don't really know what you're doing. I think that's actually pretty wise to like go to a local question because yeah. it, at least that will tell you like, okay, this piece is going here and you have a little bit more action items. They, they kind of get the ball rolling for you to begin with. Um, exactly. And, and so if you, if you end up being paralyzed or stuck at a particular question and uh, it's not a local question, I think that's actually very wise. Now, I hate that you sound surprised. If you, if, if you subscribe to Seven Sage Prep Plus, you'll never find yourself in that position. Oh, uh, with my God. access to hundreds of video explanations. Both Henry's and, and mine. <laughs> yes. With two different um, methodologies, right? And I think a, yeah. a bigger lesson to be gained here is Henry and I are both people who have scored very well on this test and mm-hmm. do logic games completely differently. 
right? Yeah. Henry does it one way, I do it one way, and we both were able to get to the same end result of a great score on logic games, right? Yeah. And so if you're struggling with logic games, you're looking to switch something up, and you haven't already started doing the if questions first, try it out, right? You're not yeah. going to lose anything oh, yeah. by attempting it, right? And seeing if it works well for you. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, go back to what you were doing or try something else. But, yeah. you know, you don't have to answer these questions in order. And I think for logic games especially, that's a really, really, really big tool that you can use yeah. to move through it a little and more. Know yourself. Right. As Asa was saying, we've both done very well on this test, uh, despite having uh, fairly different philosophies on approach or I mean, not totally different, but but somewhat divergent philosophies on approach. And really what it just came down to is, is what ends up working best for us. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever hear advice, like read the question stem first and it's just not working for you, then don't feel like you have to, you know, make a, what is it? Square peg fit in a round hole situation. Is it the other way? Round I think peg it's fit a in square hole. No, square I think peg it's... round hole. Uh, peg yeah understood the, the peg the peg's <laughs> yeah. gotta fit point is find something that works for you there is not always a one size fit all fits all approach to this test and so you have to know yourself and, and figure out what's working for you and what's not working for you just because uh you know i prefer to to do a lot more work up front on logic games and and try to build out a master game board that does not mean it's the only way to do it mm -hmm. uh, you can still get a good score by by taking a different approach you know what you feel most comfortable doing and mm -hmm. what ends up producing the best results for you is what you should do. What I will say, though, is whatever it is that you end up doing, you should have a plan, right? Yes. Every single section, every single type of question when you go on a test day, if you're looking to score at your ceiling, right? If you're looking to mm -hmm. really maximize your potential on this test, you should have a game plan. You should know yeah. what timestamps I'm looking to hit at a certain question. I should know what order I'm going to answer these questions in. I should know what I'm going to do if I get stuck at a certain point. Yeah. Like I've said maybe a million times over the course of this podcast, this test is a test of habits. And so when you go yes. into every single practice test that you do, you should have a method that you're employing. You shouldn't just be, you know, what's the word, like freeballing it. You should just actually yeah. know what you're doing. You should have a plan and implement it every single time so you can make it a habit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that's really one of the most important things that I can impart when it comes to the test. And, and regardless of what order you do these questions in, that's what you should be thinking about. Finding a method. Yeah sticking to that method and practicing that method yeah and, and also too i feel like that that comes down to the question type too i know we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of segueing off of uh the ordering of questions but right. you know with any given lr question for example because that's what i do a lot of right sufficient assumption start at the conclusion every time you need uh, an action item or a plan to keep you moving and that's really the goal is you just want to keep on moving so if you don't have a plan it's very easy to just get stuck i don't know what i'm doing Mm -hmm. Right. You, you look at it, an argument. You have no idea what you're doing. Oh, my God. Panic mode, whatever. Um, as opposed to if you have a plan. All right. You know, when I don't know what's happening, I'm going to start at the conclusion, work my way back. Yeah, right? that's a good plan because that's going to keep you uh, your, your brain moving forward. And that's really your goal here is to, to keep moving. Mm -hmm. You got to keep moving. It's like, you know, in World War Z, you seen that movie with I think it's Brad Pitt. No, and it's like, you know, yeah, I haven't, whatever. but it, it's cool, like, you know, Henry. in a disaster, the worst thing you could possibly do is stay still. <laughs> if you can keep the rhythm going with the test, you're constantly moving. And it's something that I think I've talked about on here before for logic games. At least I implement a pen to paper mentality with a lot of my students is that if your cursor is not on the screen, moving, picking an answer, your pen is to paper, writing something down. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think this is a great segue into the last section that we haven't talked about yet, which is LR. And I know. You love chit-chatting about LR. And I also know that we have very different methodologies for LR. Now, yes. there are a couple of things before we start talking about what we do. I want to talk about a couple of things that I've heard from other people. Um, so one of my students, this is just quick story time. 
uh, super high score, did really well on test day. And what she would do when she was going through an LR section is if there was ever a question where she had to scroll to see all the answer choices, if the answer choices were so long that she had to scroll, automatic skip. Like, it was just an immediate, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to deal with this later. I'm going to move on from this question. And I think that's kind of genius. I think a lot of times these longer questions can be daunting. Usually they're parallel flaw questions or parallel reasoning questions that require a little bit more work to get to the right answer. And if you just go ahead and skip those up front, then you can do all the quick, short, snappy questions first and then come back to those later. Another one that one of our instructors actually teaches or, you know, suggests in some of their live classes is doing the LR section backwards. Now, I know it's kind of a hot take and some people don't love it and some people absolutely adore it, but it's something that might work for you, might not, might as well give it a try if you're really struggling with LR, um, is doing the harder questions first because they're typically towards the back half of the section and then going back and doing the quicker ones. And I think the type of person that this would work well for uh, are the people who tend to overthink the easy questions. And when I say easy, I mean the ones that are in the first half of the section. I don't think this will work well for if you're already running short on time with LR, but if you aren't really running short on time and you just tend to overthink the easy ones and get them wrong because you think they're trying to trick you and they're not, you might be better off doing them last, right? And Mm. doing them when you're on a little bit more of a time crunch and you've given most of your energy, a lot of your energy to the harder questions on the back end. Again, not something that I think works for everyone, but if you're a student out there and you want to try something new with LR and you fit into that, that mold, I guess, of a type of student who really overthinks the easy questions, try doing the LR section backwards and, and see if that works for you. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I was about to like just outright reject that, but I kind of see the idea here. Okay. Potentially. Right. Which is, you know, if you do the harder questions first, you're just going to have naturally less time left over as you mm-hmm. approach the easier questions. And it's going to force you to move a little bit faster. So y- you can't be doing all of these, like uh, thinking every possible step of the way. Yeah. Now, you know, what I what I would say is uh, I feel like in an ideal world, what I would recommend, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, this person is wrong. Right. But what I would recommend is like if you're overthinking, we just got to get you to stop overthinking. That's fair. as opposed to completely reversing the section. Now, um, how you do that, a number of things, right? Confidence drills where you just pick the first answer choice, 15 and 15 drills. Um, I guess you could try this, this doing the, the section backward. I'm not going to reject it. Obviously, it works for some people. So I, yeah. I don't think that's um, a huge issue. Uh, now, uh, is, it, is the reason it works because you're doing hard questions first? I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I feel like it's probably to do with timing. But mm-hmm. hey, right, if, if, if other things just don't work for you, then yeah, give it a shot. I mean, like, um, what do you have to lose, right? You might as well give it a try. And I think that's of what. Of scholarship. Oh, my God. What I'm saying is Sorry. the point of this episode is to give you guys some ideas on how to study a little bit differently, right? How to keep things moving uh, and change things Mm -hmm. up if what you're doing right now isn't working for you. Because if what you're doing right now isn't working for you, you should do something different. And I know that seems super rudimentary, but you have no idea how many people I talk to on a daily basis who are like, I've been studying for six months and I haven't made any progress and I don't know what to do. Nine times out of 10, literally any change that they make is probably going to help them score better because they're just doing something different. Right? Yeah, no, that's that's true. Yeah, and, and I guess it goes back to hey, there's no secrets to the LSAT, right? There's None. there's not a one size fits all. Oh, Mm-mm. if I only I do this, if only I do every even numbered question first, <laughs> all of a sudden the, it all comes together, right? I know no people who do that. I know people who do that who do every no, you even don't. number. Stop. I actually do. I've talked to students who have done that before, and it works really well for them. Um, just bouncing around what? a little bit. 
beats me. Maybe you know some liars. Okay, that is crazy. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I literally don't. What is the advantage to that? I cannot envision Keeps one. things but okay. interesting. I don't know. Who's to say? But the point is, you can switch these things up. There is no reward for doing the questions one through twenty-five. Right? If something different works mm-hmm. for you do that the other thing i'll say with lr something that works really well for me um is if there's a question that i'm back and forth between two answer choices on i'm not going to put down an answer on my first run through i'm a firm firm believer in round two especially when it comes to lr so this isn't necessarily changing up the order that i'm answering the questions in but it is giving me a chance to come back to those questions later on so instead of sitting there and mulling about two answer choices back and forth back and forth I'm protecting my piece and moving on, right? And I'll come back yeah. to it later and deal with it later. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of students can really benefit from is just a round two, coming back to questions. I know, Henry, you don't necessarily implement this when you do an LR section. Maybe mm-hmm. you're just better than me. I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. But there's, when- there's no round two. There's only round one and extra time <laughs> at the end. And then you just take a little nap. <laughs> God. Uh, I will also, I will say, speaking of naps, uh, that reminded me. On LG, I want to go back just for a second here on the rule substitution questions. That's one that I get a lot, a lot of questions about from students uh, is how to do the rule substitution questions, how to approach them, when I should do them. My first answer is don't do them unless they're the only questions that you're getting wrong on LG. Until you have mastered the rest of the section, don't worry about it. It's one point. You'll survive. And when that's the only point that you're missing, we'll talk. We'll figure out how to get it. But until then, just skip it. Don't worry about it. Um, And I say that because when I actually took the test, like the real LSAT, I had a rule substitution question in my logic games uh, section. And my methodology was always to skip it. And if I had time at the end of the section, I would come back to it. So I put down C, I skipped the question, and I told myself at the end of the section, I'd come back. Towards the end of my LG section, I had maybe about two or three minutes left. I'd answered all the questions. And I was just stressed out of my mind, was not having a good day. I had some proctor issues and I really wanted to just close my eyes for a couple minutes and just chill out before moving on to the next section of my test. So I sat there and I was like, I could spend these two, three minutes, go back and answer the rule substitution question, or I could relax and chill before the next section of this test. And that is exactly what I did. To this day, I have no idea if I ended up getting that question right or wrong. Scored fine, despite... Uh, because every question is worth the same amount of points. It doesn't matter if I miss that question or not, because it was yeah. literally one question. And I yeah. probably scored much better on the rest of my test because I took those couple minutes to myself. Uh, it's important to mention, too, that those rule substitution, like that strategy for rule substitution, it's only going to work if it's an even number question. Right? If it's an odd number <laughs> question, you have to do it. Yes, right? you have yes, to yes, do, yes. You have to do it. So it's a g- I'm, I'm happy that you happened to get an even number of questions. And it also that. was exactly 76 degrees outside and the yes, wind exactly. was blowing north and it all worked out yeah. in my favor. Yeah, uh, phew. Jeez. Thank God. Um, uh, I know I kind no, of brushed I'm, past LR. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you brushed past LR. But I mean, let's just go back into rule substitution question. Uh, now we're just getting, we're getting crazy here. Who cares about t- dodging questions? We're going back to having a plan, right? In a rule substitution question, you should have a plan to do those. That, that is like the number one thing you need to do is have a plan for that question because it's very easy to get paralyzed there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, should we just get into it? I feel like I have to now. I feel like I mean, I'm already there. <laughs> we could spend a couple minutes talking about it and then we'll go back to LR. I don't want to get too sidetracked from the topic of today's episode, but it is good advice and something I think a lot of people Well, yeah, about. I don't want to just... Say, now, I'm not saying that... It is good advice, right? Like to, to not 
to know yourself, right? And if it would really stress you out and it would end up hijacking the rest of your test, it's not worth it trying to, to do with that. That being said, uh, don't just give up, right? Ideally, you have a plan going into it, which is yeah. uh, when any rule substitution question, uh, usually that rule that you're replacing is used to make some key inference in the game. And so a lot of times the right answer choice is just going to be that inference spelled out, right? So mm -hmm. you, you use rule one to make some sort of inference like, oh, X has to be in the last slot. Well, rule substitution, X is always in the last slot. Mm -hmm. um, that, can, uh, that is a method you can do. And then the second one is to uh, just go through the answer choices one by one, process of elimination. Ask yourself, does this allow something that was previously not allowed, right? Does this new rule allow something that was previously not allowed? Or does it rule out something that was previously allowed? So mm -hmm. the, the, those, that's what you, you know, have a plan for that, right? Yes, First, I agree. look for the inferences. Now, if, if after that all else fails, I actually, I, I actually agree, right? It's not worth getting worked up over one problem. It's one problem. And I, I do problem. think that regardless of what your plan for that question is, do the rest of the logic game section before you come back to it. Like, I don't think it's worth yeah. spending four or five minutes one by one eliminating each answer choice there when you've still got two games left on the section. Again, the order doesn't matter. You can do these questions in whatever mm -hmm. order you want and you will still be fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, I, I hijacked us from LR for a little bit because us talking about napping reminded me of that logic yeah, game yeah. section. Um, do you have any other advice for what order to do LR questions in or different orders that you've seen your students do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for LR, there's, there's not like a hard and fast rule. Uh, ideally, I've never heard that doing the section backwards, I dubious... <laughs> to me whether that really confers a huge advantage i'm i personally i do them straight and i, I tell my clients just try doing them straight if possible mm -hmm. right? if, if you're running up on like an inability to do something straight uh, usually it's not what i view that as is not necessarily like a oh the problem is that you're doing the problem straight right it's like mm -hmm. oh why are you freezing up on question seven and it's a resolve reconcile explain question yeah probably it just means you need to work on re a little bit more yeah right, that's what that's what i would uh, you know diagnose that as now that being said you know maybe there's just something going on and people like like i have all these weird not i don't want to call them weird things but i, I have little things that bother me <laughs> right and, and that that it just it, it's like not like a logical thing right yeah. it's, it's just something that that bothers, it's like <laughs> there's no solution to it it just you know it bothers me Mm -hmm. so then you just have to build a solution around that right so if yeah. if, if you just find yourself hating question one Oh my god! Or you find yourself paralyzing. Just do question two then. I, I right? totally it's, agree. Oh my god! This reminds me. I had a student who would always believe that answer choice A was wrong. Like he always just thought there's no way the answer is actually A because they're just tricking me and they're not going to make the answer the first answer that I see. And he yeah. would consistently, consistently get questions wrong where the answer choice was A, where the right answer was A. And it got to the point where I was like, dude, like you yeah. have to just stop can't. it. You have to trust answer choice A, but he couldn't. So yeah. what we started doing was just having him read answer choices E through A. Like, just read the answer choices oh, yeah. backwards. Uh, and that fixed the issue. Like, literally Crazy. score went up by five points because he just started reading the answer choices in a different order. Um, yeah. I mean, so I mean that, that ends say, up working, too. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, doing, trying different things with the order that you answer questions in could be a solution around an issue that you have or could just help you confront an issue that you have, right? If your issue is just freezing up and answering questions in a different order helps you move through that then maybe you can go back to answering them in order and you work through the issue right but at yeah. least it gives you an opportunity to try something troubleshoot things and that's really what this episode and what the season is about right to help you build off of the skills that you've already gained from studying that you've already heard from us in the last season and and work a little bit smarter based off of that 
Yeah. Perfect. Keep moving. Keep it going. You have to keep moving. Keep moving. All right. Well, got anything to close this out, Henry? Uh, nothing really. Uh, keep moving. Don't answer, uh, you know, odd number questions. Definitely do the even numbered questions first. <laughs> do them backwards. And if you're ever confused, turn the test upside down. <laughs> I think, I think that that does help. I completely agree. I do have one closing note uh, before we end this episode. Uh, we are hoping to record an episode soon with a compilation of the best advice that you guys heard over the course of your studying. Uh, and by you guys, I mean listeners, whoever's listening to this podcast right now. Uh, so if you do have some advice that you want to throw into the pool, feel free to email podcast at sevensage.com. Whether it's a voice memo or if you just want to write out the advice, uh, send us an email and in a future episode, we'll include it with a compilation of other listeners' advice. So feel free to send that over at podcast at sevenstage.com. But otherwise, thanks for listening. See you next week and happy studying. See you next week.